Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Hello, everybody. My name is Polly Hammond, and you are listening to Uncorked, the Italian wine podcast series about all things marketing and communication. Join me each week for candid conversations with experts from within and beyond the wine world as we explore what it takes to build a profitable business in today's constantly shifting environment. This week, we welcome Natasha Sumkina, a St. Petersburg native who is spearheading Russian language wine comms for the Gen Z and millennial markets. Join us as we explore trends in education versus entertainment, social media and socializing, and how we may need to rethink what we think about the Russian wine consumer. Let's get into it. Welcome, Natasha. I'm so pleased that you were able to join me here today. Hi, Polly. My pleasure. I had the chance to meet you last week in Bordeaux at the Vin Expo Symposium on Act for Change. And as we were talking, one of the things that like really stood out to me is that, you know, we speak, we present, we go to these things. We're forever talking about young people in wine and young drinkers in wine and different markets in wine. But then when we have the opportunity to give the mic to someone, Mm -hmm. we give the mic to someone who's established, (laughs) been around forever. They know all the things. And, um, and anybody who's listened to me knows that I get really sick of hearing like the establishment talk about what do we do with the next generation or the different markets. And then I met you and you have just started, um, a Russian language podcast that is specifically geared toward introducing young people and young Russian speakers specifically to the world of wine. And I thought, well, why don't we get you in here? And instead of all of us geezers trying to, you know, guess, (laughs) let's just ask you the questions that I I know for myself as a marketer, I'm super curious about. (laughs) So so that's what I'm going to do today. And I hope that's okay. (laughs) Yes, it sounds exciting. So for everyone who wasn't in Bordeaux and they didn't get to meet you, can you um, just tell me a little bit about your expertise, the areas that you've worked in, uh, and now the podcast that you've just started? All right. So I entered the world of wine in 2019, just before the pandemics, and I started with WSET2 in London, and then... I got my certificates in October 2019, and in November, I was already in Burgundy studying for level three. And then in the beginning of 2020, I was going to go to London to continue my studies for the WCT diploma. But then the pandemic happened and I got stuck in St. Petersburg. It's my native town. So um, at first I was devastated because I couldn't keep on studying. You know, they organized some online classes, but it wasn't the same. And then they renewed 
the classes in London, but I still couldn't go because of the restrictions, you know, and um, COVID. So I found a job. I became an import manager in a wine importing company in Russia, in St. Petersburg. And I worked there for a year and uh, I imported about 40 new wines into Russian markets. And uh, we worked with European producers in... During pandemic months? Yes, during, during the pandemics in 2021, yes. Interesting. Yeah, okay, so, great. Keep going. Yeah, we worked with uh, European uh, producers from France, from Spain and Italy, it was very exciting. Unfortunately, we couldn't meet each other, you know, face to face, but we kept on close communication uh, via email and uh, Zoom and all that. And then uh, in the beginning of 2021, I've saved up enough money and I decided to go to London to keep studying for my diploma finally. And then the war happened in Ukraine and I was again uh, in between things you know i didn't really know what to do and how to to approach this situation you know because on the one hand uh, i um, i wanted to stay in in russia you know in this kind of situation and i was like you know mm, afraid of uh, going abroad but at the same time i had my dream and i wanted to get my diploma and uh, go deeper into the world of wine but in the end, I decided that I'm not going to be stopped this time. I'm not giving in, not giving up. And uh, I decided to go. And uh, I already had two exams out of uh, five. So uh, I left my job in February to go to London to study, you know. And uh, I was thinking about what should I do, you know, because I really love talking about wine, hosting tastings, because... Um, in 2021, I organized my tasting club in St. Petersburg and uh, I um, motivated wine enthusiasts to gather together and to taste amazing wines and to learn more about wines. And, uh, and I, I want to ask mm -hmm. some questions about yeah, that. Yeah. I, I want to come back to that. That's Monavina, correct? Yes, that's right, Monavina. Yes, okay. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but so the podcast, so then so how did, how did the podcast come to be? So I was thinking about how can I keep teaching people about wine and keep talking about it. And, um, then I, I was listening to a podcast, you know, I don't remember what it was about, but I was thinking I could do the same, but about wine, you know, and I checked if there were other podcasts about wine in Russian and there were a, a, not a few, like a couple. So I just said, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> wow. So I, I thought it was really interesting um, actually going in and doing the research for this um, interview because everything that you produce is very clear. I mean, it is specifically Russian language oriented. Yeah. So there's no ambiguity around which market you're going for. You're 27 years old. Yeah. You know, so you are very much on that cusp of the millennials and the Gen Z's. And, um, I, I, and you're living, you know, you are living between two worlds. I assume that you have your family at home in Russia yeah. and you are an expat here in Europe. Was your family, were they wine drinkers? You know, was, 
was our industry um, challenging for you to discover at home? Uh, no, it wasn't very challenging because in my family, during family celebrations, we drink wine as well as other drinks. Uh, but my family doesn't know anything about wine, so I wasn't educated um, in wine this way. And I had to discover it myself. But I had an interest in wine since, I don't know, maybe 16. I remember this time we went with my mom to Paris and we went to a restaurant called Le Procope. You know this one? It's the, old, yes. the oldest one uh, in Paris. So we went there and uh, it was very be beautiful there. And someone ordered a bottle of wine. I remember it very well. It was uh, Gewürztraminer by Gustave Laurence. And uh, um, I, didn't, I couldn't even pronounce the name at the time, but I memorized the bottle. And it was the first time I was impressed by wine. Like many other people who were <laughs> impressed by Gewürztraminer and its aromatic profile, I was one of them. And since then, I, I was just curious. You know, I always wanted to try something new. And then I had a friend in Rome who uh, went to a sommelier school in Rome. And she talked a lot about wine and she inspired me a lot this way. So, so one of the things that you say in your podcast description is no snobbery, yeah. no... Um, no jargon, you don't want the language, that you want it to be entertaining and educational. And what I find really interesting about that, um, I always laugh. So I'm the oldest person at Five Forest and all of my team is younger than me. And they hear this rhetoric about young people drinking wine or younger people drinking wine. And they're like, you know, the wine industry says millennials and Gen Z are killing wine, yada, yada, yada. And my team always says, it's not that we're not drinking wine. It's that we're not drinking your exactly. wine. You know, we're not. Yeah. yeah. So, so for you, here you are, you're in Paris. I mean, like you are part of the history and the establishment of wine. Did you find that you sort of fell in love with the heritage part of wine? Or is it more like what we're hearing from a lot of young people that it's about natural wines, experimental wines? And, you know, like, what has your experience in consumption been mm -hmm. so far? I definitely had a natural wine period in my wine journey. Yes, it was uh, 2019, actually, right when I started. And um, there, there was this bar in St. Petersburg, it's called Navina, and they specifically specialize in uh, natural wines and biodynamic and all, you know, all that kind of wines. And um, I just like their vibe and I like spending time there with my friends, um, tasting new interesting wines that didn't really smell like wine, you know. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was exciting. But then with time, I uh, realized that, so, so to say, heritage wines are also interesting and there is also a lot to explore. So probably we should let younger generations to, to walk their own path, you know, into the world of wine. Start with natural wine. There's nothing bad about it, even though there is lots of criticism. I mean, it's it's a good way for younger people to, you know, to get into wine. To become wine drinkers. Exactly. 
I, I love that you said that. I hope if there's one thing that people take away from this interview, it was, yes, actually, this is, you know, natural wine is a gateway to all of the non-natural wines, all the more traditional or heritage wines that we have. So awesome. High five on that. <laughs> but in terms of um, in, in terms of that, like education or entertainment value, you know, we've got two very disparate beliefs in wine that our job is to entertain and create joy. And that's what's going to get our wine on their table. And then we also have like the, what I'm going to describe as the more old school, which (laughs) is if we teach them why the wine is important, then they will love it. Like from your perspective and from your content that you're creating, and then also your audience, what is the balance of that? What's more important or are they equal? I think they're equal, but in the beginning, I think the best way for younger people to attract younger people to the world of wine is by entertaining them. You know, not, not giving them uh, lots of knowledge, but, you know, start with entertainment and then give them a bit of knowledge. You know, um, learning shouldn't be something, you know, serious. So I think this is a very good way to combine these two things start with entertainment but then give little dosage of uh, of knowledge as well and and you say that it even as you're going through, you know, a full-on wine education. So I I think that that's what's interesting is that you have obviously with your personality opted with the the erudition but that that's not the way necessarily to get yeah. to your friends or your exactly. boyfriends or your cousins or your siblings, you know, that, that that's not for everyone. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going deep into wine because I'm fascinated by that. And I changed my career because at first I used to be a linguist, you know, translator and interpreter, but then I decided to change career. And, um, honestly, I started with WCT just for fun. You know, I didn't really know if I will, if I'm going to continue this path, you know, but I fell in love and I decided to keep going. But in the beginning, it was just, you know, to try something new. Do you know what that reminds me of? So when I was going through university, oh, way back in the day, (laughs) um, one of the things was, so, so I went to university in America and we have general education requirements, which take about two years and they are low level introductory courses to lots of different topics. And the number of students like I did that you get into a class that you were never exposed to. And there's this amazing dynamic teacher, you know, like the person who's conveying it, they themselves are so in love with the thing that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that just really, really comes through. And we look at it and we're like, this is what I want to be when I grow up and you toddle <laughs> off and you change your major and you change your whole life because there was this one person who just embodied everything. Just, I don't want to use the word joyful because that's not really it. Just the, the interest, but the cleverness and the ability to do something with it, you know, they've written and they teach and all of this other stuff. And it's almost like saying, okay, what we need to do is we need to get our most dynamic communicators teaching those 
level one WSET courses. I mean, I'm not telling WSET how to like run their business, but this notion of making it about curiosity, not about, are you going into the wine profession and getting people in the door who can actually Mm -hmm. have the entertainment and the, the life, you know, the dynamism that people are like, holy shit, this is a great, (laughs) this is a great career option. Um, so how, how are you finding the response from the Russian speaking audience? You're obviously fabulous with the English language compared to, you know, what you saw in London, what your experience is in Spain. Mm. Uh, they say that in countries like Spain and, uh, other European countries, the, consumption of wine is falling down although in russia it's the opposite trend we are moving away from vodka (laughs) and uh, starting to drink more and more wine and wine industry is a growing industry in russia not only in terms of production because nowadays there are lots of um, wine production in russia but also in terms of consumption because people get more and more interested in wine with more young people yes. and more women? Yeah, more women, especially more women. And uh, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, more younger people, yeah. The decision to go Russian language only, is that to literally remain geo-targeted? Or is that to to reach an underserviced Russian-speaking population globally? I just wanted to, you know, contribute something to wine education in my country you know i love my country and i just want people in my country to learn something more about wine because i think it's not only exciting way to learn about wine per se but also about the world around you you know to learn languages to travel to learn geography culture history and so much more so yeah i just I just wanted to do something, you know, for, for my people. Now let's come back to your tasting club because mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by this. So Monavina, you set up at home in St. Petersburg yeah. during, in the, in the phases of pandemic <laughs> time. How did you get that message out? Um, who attended? What were we drinking? Like, I want to hear all about that. Mm-hmm. All right, so I um, um, so I organized it in September 2020, if I remember right. Okay. And at first, it was just my friends, you know, whom I inspired with wine. You know, I, I'm, nice. I'm talking all the time about wine, so they got inspired and they decided to join my my wine club. And then I started, well, not promoting really, but just you know speaking about my wine club and stories and my friends started inviting their friends or started doing reposts in uh, in instagram and new people started to to come you know and uh yeah and now we are kind of like a kind what of, were you tasting what ah, were you serving yeah sure so uh, i was saying that now we're like a small community you know of wine enthusiasts and at first uh, at my first tasting we tasted just you know wines uh, of different grape varieties like sauvignon blanc chardonnay merlot i just wanted to give them 
the gist of wine, that it can be very different, you know. And then we started to go deeper into each grape variety. So we had Sauvignon Blanc and Sauvignon Blanc from different regions and countries. Sure. Yeah, and that with every grape variety. And we also had off-topic, so to say, tastings. And in each of the tastings, I tried to include a Russian wine. For example, Sauvignon Blanc from, from Russia or, I don't know, Chardonnay from, from Russia and, and all that. Just to show people that we ourselves in our country can make good wine too, you know. Yeah, there's lots of prejudice about uh, Russian wine inside Russia. Many people still think that uh, Russian wine is low quality, even though it's, it's not true. For the past uh, five to ten years... Wine production has grown in in Russia and the quality of wines has also grown. You said that you've actually grown into a community. So that community still exists. You know, you're still talking wine, despite the fact that now you're in Spain today, but there's no abatement of the community or the discussion. Yeah, it still exists. And many of, um, of the people from the community follow me on Instagram and they're very excited about my podcast and they always uh, text me about something new they they tried you know or they're asking for more tastings because i come back to russia from time to time for example i'm going to be there in july and uh, most likely we're going to gather together and taste something exciting uh, i brought some wine from uh, from the uk and they're very excited to try it Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. You say very specifically in your description that you have a focus on conscious consumption. And what I found interesting on your Instagram post, which yes, I did get Google Translate to translate <laughs> all of those for me. Oh my God. On your Instagram post is you even specifically talk about recommended um, daily consumption maximums you know this is the amount for women yeah. and this is the amount for yeah. men when you say conscious consumption what specifically does that include is it sustainability ethics moderation you know what was the decision on that um many times i seen people who like wine but they don't know where to stop you know and um I kind of experimented, you know, with the amount of alcohol my body can consume without any consequences. And uh, for me, it's three glasses of wine and that's it. After that, I, I start dancing on the table, you know, in the bar. So <laughs> uh, that's, that's it. Um, so I want to promote the same culture among young people in uh, Russia, not to drink to get drunk, you know, but to drink to co consciously, you know, and to enjoy the moment, really, but enjoying it consciously, you know. Mm, so, yeah, it's not only about self-care and, you know, care about your body, you know, and uh, future you in the morning <laughs> without any headaches, but... Also, I want to promote sustainability in Russia because when I was in Bordeaux, it was kind of absurd for me to listen to all these people talk about organic wines, sustainability, ecology, climate change and all that. 
when in in Russia we're still somewhere in the beginning of this path, you know. There are lots of wine producers, but there are not many. And by not many, I mean almost none organic producers or sustainable producers. So I think if we promote sustainability among the consumers and especially younger consumers, it can help boost and motivate the producers to go sustainable. Of course. And that mirrors what we see you know, outside of Russia, we see all around that the number of people who say things like they changed what they were drinking, they changed how they, you know, were consuming products, they changed packaging, or even they changed their recycling habits because they had a granddaughter who told them that this was something that they had to do. It's been such a driving force for change across the populations. Um, what interests me on the conscious consumption or the, the consumption in moderation is this notion that we're not trying... So in wine marketing, I have a lot of wineries who I talk to who they're so uncomfortable with the moderation discussion because the uh, the underpinnings of that is drink less of our wine. Like, you know, it's going to be buy less, drink less, as opposed to having a healthy relationship with wine or any alcohol for a very long time makes you a better lifetime customer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just putting it in like capitalist language. Uh, but this notion that if we're doing it from the very beginning of their journey with our product, you know, uh, I, I specifically think about women and the, the reduced recommendations compared to the high rates of drinking that we're seeing happening, happening all over the world, that can we start them off on the right foot? You know, mm-hmm. like just embrace it Embrace it in the very early days. Yeah. Don't try to make it a uh, remediation yeah. to bad habits. Yeah, and probably since we're just starting, you know, in Russia with the wine industry, probably it's a good idea to incorporate all those ideas, you know, right in the beginning from 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 the start. Yeah, sure. Um, so Russia, my understanding is always quite a challenging space for us in marketing because there are it's so strict for any kind of marketing or advertising communications. Yeah. Um, what were you finding? So you introduced 40 wines to the market when you were working in importation and you have an audience, right, who communicates back with you. They do engage with you about what you're doing. Um, what are you finding are the, the key uh, criteria for growth specifically in the younger audience you know does influence work yeah influencing works very well (laughs) and especially with uh, instagram and we have uh, lots of big influencers in in russia who are very popular in my generation and younger generation tiktok you know all that stuff so it really works yes so tiktok works well for Russia? And do we know if it works well specifically for wine in Russia? I'm not on TikTok, but I've seen uh, some sommeliers and wine experts who are creating content in TikTok and they're doing that very well. It's what I was talking about, entertainment plus a bit of knowledge, you know. So they're doing that. They're creating small videos in which they are talking about wine in an entertaining way, but also educating people about it. 
And those are younger content creators. Yeah. And when I say younger, I, I really dislike sort of the yeah, generational yeah. language, but I'm 48. So they're younger than Gen <laughs> Xers. They're millennial Gen Z. Okay. So what I find super interesting about that is that um, wine by and large in the English speaking markets has not done a great job embracing TikTok because what it is, is it's a lot of people my age and older are being told, oh, you should be on TikTok. And then it's actually the young people who are saying, you know, the younger generation saying, please don't like, please just give us a space <laughs> that's our own. You've got Facebook. Nobody wants to go there. You mostly have Instagram. It's all yours. Just like leave us our, our spaces. So maybe there's a really good lesson for us as marketers and communicators not to go in and talk on those spaces, but to go in and listen. So you brought up Instagram and how people are using Instagram. One of the things that I remarked upon is that you use Instagram for long form content in a way that isn't common to wineries or wine brands. Um, you know, so extensive posting, yeah. like maxing out the limits on that. Um, is this a market specific decision yes. that you look, as you were saying, my audience uses this as yeah. news. So, um, as I said, Instagram in Russia works a bit differently, uh, rather than in, in the US or in, in Europe. Um, Russian audience likes long read posts. They like to get information through, through Instagram, you know, and, um, not only through posts, but also through stories. So lots of influencers are making storytellings through, through stories, you know, and they're interacting with their audience this way. So yeah, this is a specific of Russian Instagram. Yeah. That is fascinating for me because that's something that I wouldn't have known that like right now I could use in my marketing and my communication. So super awesome on that. As you are looking at content creation, will you be focusing on Russian language uh, participants or will you be interviewing non-Russians and then translating that information for your, your Russian audience? Yeah, I was actually thinking about interviewing uh, non-Russian speaking um, specialist experts and non-specialists, why not, about wine and uh, then translating that for the podcast. Yes, I was thinking that too. But uh, also Russian speakers, um, I, I actually have this idea or more like a dream to speak to winemakers in, in Russia, you know, and to uh, promote their wines through the podcast. I'm looking at the amount of work that you're doing. Yeah. So you've got your WSET diploma that you're working on. You've got your community that you're working yeah. on. You've got a podcast that you're just in the early phases of getting started. What's next? Where does all this lead? What do you want to be when you grow up, <laughs> Natasha? <laughs> well, uh, I want to be wine educator and communicator. And actually, I think my dream is about to come true because just yesterday I had a Zoom call with a um, founder of Russian wine school, online wine school. And most likely I'm going to be creating an English wine course 
for for the school. So it's going to be about teaching English to wine experts and wine enthusiasts. So wine English. If we're sitting here having the conversation about how do we get more people working in our industry, what's the feedback that you have to share with us about that? Uh, all right. As a Russian speaker, it was, I think it would have been difficult for me to get access to information if I didn't know any foreign languages. So, hmm. of course, there, there are books and, uh, you know, some websites that are, are translated into Russian or you can use Google Translate, you know, and, uh, and learn. But at the same time, I'm always encouraging people in Russia to learn foreign languages, at least English, you know, so that they have access to more information, not only inside Russia and not only the information that is given to me, to me and to them through official um, channels. And I'm not talking about wine only right now. But also to think for yourself, you know, and to read other sources. Where can we find you online? How can we learn more and sort of follow your journey? So first of all, as I said, Instagram. <laughs> and um, yep. I have two. Uh, and on Instagram, Instagram you're wine underscore buy by underscore glass. Yeah, that's right. That, that's the one. This is the gotcha. podcast. Uh, this is the podcast account. Um, and I also have my personal one, uh, which is Sumkina Tasha. And uh, also, of course, podcasts on uh, every pl platform you can think about. App, uh, Apple Podcasts, you know, CastBox, you, you know it. Um, Spotify, wherever you yeah. listen to your pods. I, I won't make you struggle with a bad connection any longer, but I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Natasha. Thank you, Polly. It was my pleasure again. And um, thank you very much for inviting me. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening and a great big thank you to Natasha for joining me today. The Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with daily episodes. Tune in each day and discover all our different shows. Be sure to join us next Sunday for another look at the world of wine marketing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali Academy, home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast, and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Hi guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.